Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Hard Rock Lunch Box. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Hard Rock Lunch Box. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Hard Rock Lunch Box. I'm not a crusty crab. Ah, uh, what is up, everybody? I have returned and feel like I've all but forgotten about, all forgotten how to how to run any of this stuff because I almost just missed that cue because I was trying to figure out what some other noise was. So basically, we're back. Man, I am already so tired. <laughs> like the show, show just started, and I'm just. I'm just completely exhausted. I'm going with a new lighting motif. I mean, obviously, like, it's hard to mess with imperfection. Isn't that how the saying goes? But I'm going to try. I'm trying to soften this up. I actually have I have a new camera. Not a sponsor. Um, nobody's a sponsor. So it works out. Uh, but I'm going to give that a shot. I just have not had a chance to um, to put it together. So maybe by next week... This whole show could look like 100% better. But actually, uh, it is July 20th. Thank you for returning to the Hard Rock Lunchbox and the Top 20. I was away last week. I appreciate everybody's patience and understanding. Uh, it is it is sometimes <laughs> funny. Like, I know, like, when you tell people, like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I won't be there or I won't be doing that thing uh, next week. You know, a lot of times the the um, the response is like, oh, man, you know, like, I don't get that. <laughs> I don't get that anymore. I get, I get way more along the lines of like, all right, let's see a couple weeks. Which, I mean, I, I feel like I keep telling myself it's basically like because people understand that kind of need a break from time to time and the fact that I really do 50 to 51 of these shows a year is you know kind of testament to my work ethic so I'm, I'm hoping it's that that people are just more understanding and not so much that people are like good I mean have fun like <laughs> but I honestly um, I have a good amount to talk about today uh, actually none of it kind of came up until about two hours ago, um, I actually had a lot of a bunch of stuff I was going to talk about, uh, other stuff I was going to talk about. Uh, but I, I got some good material courtesy of Bacon is my podcast, so we'll uh, we'll get on that in just a few. But in the meantime, we do have some light housekeeping. I know that's probably everybody's favorite uh, part of the show. The um, the top twenty episode from last week is out. Uh, it's the zip code advantage. Check that out. Uh, I talk about, like, perfection and how it just doesn't matter. It just, nobody cares. Like, it's just a race to care less and less and less, I suppose. I, I don't know. But, but go ahead and check that out. Um, so, uh, in Rebel 9 news, though, there's a bunch of stuff happening in Rebel 9. In fact, so much stuff happening in Rebel 9 news that I'm doing my... I am doing less than my inadequate job of uh, telling people about it and promoting things. Uh, Basically, what happened is, um, I think any regular listener of the show will know that this is uh, kind of how things have been headed. I feel like I've been, I feel like I've been talking a lot 
about, I want to be dramatic and just say like my gradual and eventual demise, but like, I don't mean it to sound so dramatic. I just, I just keep seeing like this trajectory, um, because I'm just, I don't even, I don't even know why. I just know that I am. So, um, but there is like, there's, there's been a whole lot of stuff. Like I just have not been able to get it done. And I, and I swear on all that's holy. If I had not turned over the reins to, uh, to David Caggiano, our producer of the new, uh, new batch of material, like it would not have gotten done. I know that for a fact. I know it for a fact because I've barely had time to even listen to some of the mixes that come in. Like I have to find time to do those. And like every other rebel nine record, like I was engineering, like I was like recording it most, I was recording most of it that, you know, anything that wasn't getting sent into me and then just recording, uh, recording that, but also recording all of my stuff on my own and then doing all the engineering and doing all the mixing, really just sending it out. Uh, no, sorry. I was not doing the mix, sending it out to be mixed, but I was just intimately involved in the mixing process as well. So there's just no way any of that material would have been done. And I know that for a fact because, um, I've been able to get, you know, my parts done and it's actually worked out really well for me. But like with that extra time, I haven't even done the basics of promotion for stuff coming up. And like there was a whole, like I really, like we have side outs coming out on the 4th of uh, August, the day before our big show at, um, at the warehouse in uh, Amityville. And that's on purpose, right? We want people to be excited. Uh, it's also on purpose. And we'll talk about this probably later on in the show, like why I do that um, and why it's important for me to do that. But um, the whole purpose was I wanted to create a video for Side Out. I had a whole idea of what I wanted to do. I was waiting for the band to come up with some ideas to see if they were like kind of better. And it was funny enough because Tony's idea was basically half of my idea. And it was funny that it just kind of worked out that way. And I thought that was like, man, we're in sync here. And that's, that's definitely something we should capitalize on. It, but that's about as far as it goes because... It takes a lot to do that. like, And it may not sound like it takes a lot, but at the very least, it takes an email to get it started. You know, and that's... I know I, I know it's not just a time thing for me. Like, I'm actually having some... Um, they're kind of depressive characteristics, but I don't want people to confuse that characteristic with being sad. Those are completely other things. It's just a demotivational thing. Like, it's a kind of like a low-functioning energy, right? Like, just enough to kind of get up and do stuff. It pretty much takes everything out of me. So that's kind of what that is. So I just haven't gotten a lot done. So once we've reached the point where I realized we weren't going to do a video for Side Out, uh, I just... Oh, jumping ahead. Sorry. See, I don't even have the effort, the, the ability to tell a full story. So the whole plan was I was holding on to these videos that we had. It took forever to get the lyric videos for Blue and for Easy. It took absolutely forever. Uh, it was, you know, still during COVID and the, the person... The company I, I was working with, like, had all the stuff, and the person that had done uh, Keep You Near uh, had left that company, which sucked, because she is who I wanted to do it, but it, it worked out. We got him back, but we got him back, like, way late, where it wasn't even worth promoting the record anymore. It was already, like, two years old, so it seems silly, which, in hindsight, now that it's, like, three years old, seems even sillier, but the plan was to hold on to all these videos, uh, Blue, uh, the lyric video for Blue, the lyric video for Easy. The actual, honest to God, live action video for Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap, and then release those in succession, 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 successions when you leave a country because you want to have slavery, and then 200 plus years later you say that wasn't the reason, even though it says it in your letter of secession. That's secession. Um, 
but yeah, in succession to sort of ramp up because our channel's been quiet since like we released the lyric video for Keeping Year and I did the Bimpy Awards and stuff like that. That's basically all that's on the channel. So you kind of need to build that stuff back up, which is what I was trying to do. Uh, and then once, uh, so I was going to release them like that. And then once we realized there wasn't going to be a video for Side Out, it's like, all right, well, I guess I should kind of clean house and get all this stuff out, which is why if you've been paying any attention at all to the Rebel 9 page, which I don't blame you if you haven't. I'm doing a horrendous job promoting it. My band isn't doing much better, so why would you even know? But we released the lyric video for Blue, which has a funny story involving Noodle that I'm sure has not resolved yet. So if I forget to tell you about that during the Top 20 or during the show, please speak up in the chat and let me know because it's a very funny video. And it's a very it's a very funny Noodle-specific story, and I guarantee you this is going to have a consequence down the road. So if you want to get in on it now, now is a good time to do that. Uh, we rele- and then we released we released a lyric video for Blue. That's out. Um, and with almost no promotion, we've already gotten like several hundred views on it. So thank you very much for that. Uh, we released the following week the video for Easy, which has a lot less views, but it's still close to about 100 I really don't understand how that works. I don't understand algorithms, which is funny because I ought to, but I just don't. I think my brain just doesn't work so well on social media and those kind of platforms. I just don't understand how it works. Black experience is completely on me. It's fine. I feel like I'm going to throw in the towel on that particular ring. So we released those to kind of drum up some excitement because I think on Tuesday we're going to be releasing the Dirty Deeds Dunder Cheap video, although... I planned it to release on a day when we would be at the studio to uh, kind of comment live, but I don't know that Noodle's going to be there, so I may have to move it, but I don't even know where I would move it to. I don't feel like it's a good idea to move it to the following week, because honestly, we need to rehearse for this show, because the band is not in tip-top shape at all. Like, the last rehearsal I was at, like, I took a week off, and that was fine. Like, I knew that. I was under the impression foolishly so that my band was going to rehearse in my absence because we have a show coming up and we have new stuff that we're going to put out but stupid me my band decided to do something completely else i still don't even know what they did noodle and kaz were telling me they were recording they weren't recording rebel nine stuff so i have absolutely no idea what they were doing so they didn't feel like it was anything worth mentioning to me at all but it definitely did show in last week's or last tuesday's rehearsal just how great my band isn't these days so we're gonna have to rehearse so i don't know that i can push that forward so my point is is that it might come out next tuesday that is the set date of the premiere i think it's the 25th of july so that should be that. I also tried to get a lyric video done for Side Out. I just don't think I can get it done in time considering I haven't even started the process. So that might come out a little bit after Side Out, a little bit after the show just to, I don't know, complete the thing. But this is literally how bad things are going here in the Rebel 9 promotional department. Like, I would hire somebody to do this stuff. But like, we have very little money, but I would gladly give somebody very little money to handle, like, our social media presence and kind of handle these things, like, some sort of management. Because i got to be honest, man, after 15 years, I'm just, like, completely burnt out from doing it. And there is just, like, no help coming at all from uh, inside the, the, the general corporation here, which just sucks, so nothing's getting done. And that's why there's, like, not a lot of shows, but I have a lot to say about shows and you know what I think the future of shows for Rebel Nine is because I'm also tired of doing that for everybody too. So I'm I don't I don't know what that's going to look like, but I didn't mean to complain all that much right away. I actually had some stuff I wanted to talk about. Oh, also, um, 
I'm going to. I'm doing an interview later today with Jackie Raven. Uh, she's a DJ on New Regal Radio, and uh, I don't know when that show's going to air. But she's great, and she's a huge Rebel 9 fan and a huge Rebel 9 champion. So uh, it's one of the very few interviews that I agreed to do. So I'll be recording that later. I don't know when it's going to air, but I will let you know. Uh, and I assume we'll talk about all things about the new release. So if you're interested at all in anything about Side Out, uh, that would be a good one to watch. But like I said, I'll let you know when that's coming up. So what did I want to talk about today? Who knows? <laughs> uh, no. Uh, I actually had uh, several stuff. Oh, yeah, and don't forget, um, we'll be at uh, the warehouse on August 5th. That's super important. <coughs> if I haven't mentioned, the lineup is done. It's Dino Skate Park, uh, Pathmaker, Something Heavy, Us, and Craving Strange. Uh, we're going to have Craving Strange close this one. Um, Jimmy asked. Uh, I thought it would be a good idea, and I agreed with him, so we're going to have him close that one. Um, so, but yeah, it's not like a headlining situation, despite what you see in the flyers, it's still my show. <laughs> so it is what it is, right? Um, but here's what I wanted to talk about. <clears throat> so on Bacon is my podcast, as much as I like the interviews that they do with like bands and stuff, it's less interesting to me because unless it's a band I'm interested in, which totally makes sense, but I really do like that they've added in the discussions and drinks because... Uh, Jimmy and Mike are two of my best friends, so it's nice to sort of feel like I'm still part of that. And that's not a diss dis at them. I do not have the resources currently to hang out at all the level that I want, like, or even minimally. Like, I was even just talking to uh, to Annie from Jackknife Stiletto about, like, trying to grab coffee, and I literally cannot over the next two weeks because every minute of my day is basically just taken up, especially now that I've got so much medical stuff to do. Uh, it's just... It, like every day, like I can't even find, like I can't even find times to actually do work that I'm being hired to do, let alone, you know, just skip out for an hour. Like it's really, really messed up. Like I actually got out to Beery's last night uh, to see the uh, Muckrakers and uh, Terriginous show. Like seriously, by a, just a twist of scheduling fate I was able to do it and the show ran late which completely messed me up which which sucked which is its own problem and I ought to know better and it's fine I worked it out uh, but like it is just so hard but like it's very difficult to go meet co people for coffee at like 10.30 I mean normal people but anyway uh, my point is I like discussions of drinks I always have uh, and this one was really good and, and I think it was a really good topic and episode uh, idea to run with it was basically like how do you how do you be friends with people that are completely polar opposite to you kind of politically with religion and ideas and stuff like that it's something that literally everybody is dealing with these days unless you're just one of those people that have completely shut people out of your life uh, because uh, because of their their different beliefs than yours um, and it was good because they had Mike Early on, who's a dear old friend of Jimmy's to the point where I know him, and, and him and I will discuss stuff, and him and I are absolute opposites on most things, even though, and this is the part that bothers me the most about people like Mike, is I feel like we're really close in ideology, but we really get lost in what, what are actual facts, and then Mike tends to really double down on stuff. And then we'll say stuff like, dude, you know, I respect your opinion, but I'm never going to 
uh, you know, you're never going to convince me of anything. Like, and, and that's its own thing, right? Like, that argument, like, you're never going to convince me or I'm never going to be convinced. Like, I feel like sometimes when I talk, I annoy people so much that it doesn't really matter what I say. Like, I could say water is wet and the sky is blue and grass is green. And they'll be like, just because you're saying it, I'm going to say no. And if you don't think that's true, like, God bless you. That's fine. I don't know why I brought God into this, but maybe he was here. Maybe she was here. Who knows? Maybe they were here. They were here. There we go. That's probably more appropriate. But, like, I definitely have that experience. Like, just because I'm saying something, especially politically, but just because I'm saying something and people be like, that's wrong because I don't like you and I don't agree with anything that you say. Like, listen, dude, you can do whatever it is that you want in your life, but to tell me that I'm wrong about stuff just because I'm saying it is so super foolish and I'm not blowing smoke up my own ass. But 99 times out of 100, I'm going to be the smarter one in the conversation if I bother to open my mouth about it because I learned way back when just to shut the fuck up when I don't know what I'm talking about. And I feel like that lesson is the one that really needs to start getting taught in school, not all these other things. But anyway, so I like Mike. I like what he says. I only really ever challenge him when he posts something that I consider to be factually inaccurate, and I can prove it. <laughs> like, it's not like I'm just, I have a difference of opinion. Like, differences of opinion are, are fine. And, like, I've said forever, like, having a difference in ideology, fine. It's like having a difference in religious beliefs. You know what I mean? Like... If you believe in God, if you don't believe in God, like, we can still be friends, right? Like, I mean, unless you are God, and then I'm like, I don't believe in you. Like, that feels like a conversation stopper. Like, we've all heard of conversation starters, but, hey, man, you don't exist. Feels like the end of a conversation, but that could just be me. Just what, just what I was saying. So I actually made some notes. And I messaged Jimmy earlier. I told him I was making notes, which was going to make my job a lot easier because I was basically watching his show so I could talk about his show so I didn't have to do anything for my show. And honestly, isn't that just a little bit genius? <laughs> this moment of the top 20 in the Hard Rock Lunchbox has been brought to you by Bacon Is My Podcast and absolutely no effort from yours truly. If that doesn't make the bumpers this week, I don't know what's going to. So, um... So a couple things I wrote down, and I encourage you, I encourage you to not hit your microphone, it's very unprofessional. I encourage you to go over to strangerhoodtv.com, it'll bring you right over to the YouTube channel. The latest video up should be Discussions and Drinks, because I did not post a top 20, because there was no top 20 last week, although I could have been a huge dick and posted a top 20 video that was just like a blank screen, like the whole, the whole intro, right? And then like, thanks everybody, <laughs> like, and the day's not over, I may still post that, but Probably not. If I don't have time for coffee with Annie, I don't have time for funny top, hilarious top 20 videos. <laughs> coffee with Annie is definitely way more fun than top 20 videos, even the best kind. But anyway, so I wrote down a couple of points. First of all, I actually put this in the com I started commenting more, and I was like, I'm just going to save that shit for my show. So my very first comment that I actually put on the YouTube page, if you go look at the video, you'll see my comment because... Mike, Mike refers to Indiana as being north of here, which Indiana is not north of here, like in any way, shape, or form. I mean, like it just, it's, it's that. It's, it's, I mean, I guess extreme northern Indiana could be like north of like the most south Long Island. I mean, like, but I just, I thought it was funny. Like, <laughs> 
And it wasn't even funny that he said it, really. It was funny the way Mike and Jim react, because Jim's from Indiana. So, like, <laughs> Mike says, like, hey, man, I, you know, from whatever, north here. And Mike and Jim are both like, what? <laughs> Which is exactly what I love about the show. Like, I love that part. Like, I mean, yeah, you get to see that kind of stuff in the interviews, too. But discussions and drinks, is for me, it's just... It's just I'm gonna of the bimp world, like so. I love that. Um, so a couple points, like that, I just didn't get to argue with because I'm not on that show. So I'm gonna do it now without them to, uh, being able to respond. Is Mike made a reference to how a lot of this polarization started with COVID? Now, I just want to point out, and not that I'm correcting him because what happened during COVID is a very, very real thing. But the seeds of all this stuff, aside from Going back to the political seeds, like when Ronald Reagan was uh, elected and all the stuff that he ran on and conservative versus liberal, a lot of backlash in the 70s and stuff like that. All that's been, like, well-documented and it exists and the evangelicals and all that other stuff. What really happened is the political dis- divide really took a hit or really, I guess, got bigger when Obama got elected. And if you don't think so... Just read absolutely anything about that time from a reputable source, any of those books, and you will see like stuff where the the um, the entire Republican establishment was like, we're just not going to do anything to get any work done because we don't respect this person that just got elected to be president. Now, that's a fact. And Mitch McConnell himself is documented as saying, like, we're just going to say no. And if you don't believe me. Why don't you do a research, little little research thing about Merrick Garland and the Supreme Court nomination? I'll show you. It'll show you just how disrespectful half of this country was to uh, President Barack Obama's presidency. Democratically elected, no one contested the election. They just didn't like that a black man was in the office, and you'll see all of that stuff. So that is what started that divide, right? That was a big divide. Now, when Trump got elected, it worked out okay because half the country just didn't like Hillary. So they were like, all right, that's fine. So it was it was a little bit less of that particular divide. And then once he got elected and he started pandering and doing all this stuff, to, like really, really split up the country politically is when it really started getting bad. And then once you had COVID, it didn't really matter because people were just like, I don't believe in COVID. I believe in COVID. And then there was like, you should do this about COVID. And like, you should not tell me what to do with my body. All that stuff just erupted. And everyone was stuck at home and mad and online. And that's why it bubbled to the surface. But like all these militias and like separatists and all this stuff, that's existed for years, for decades, well before this. COVID is really just like... You know, like when they talk about like um, like a TV show that was like big, like Cobra Kai, for example. TV shows like big on YouTube for a little while, and then all of a sudden it was like super popular. They talk about that with bands like Train and Goo Goo Dolls, like these overnight sensations that took ten years. That's this. So once they actually hit COVID, it was like they were in America's Got Talent, and now everybody started talking, and like it got bigger and louder, and everybody saw it, and that divide and, and that, the, the brutal, like awful discourse all started because people had the time to do it, and they had what I consider to be the most important part. Um, which was they were suddenly feeling like they were right. And this is another point that came up in their episode where they were talking about, like, why would you even choose this echo chamber, right? And 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 uh, it was Eli Pariser, I think, that coined the, um, 
the uh, the phrase information bubble and stuff like that. And and I've talked about that and I've written about it, like especially in terms of music, but in terms of the political divide, where in this day and age, with tech being what it is, you can actually kind of shape your world like what you see you create these bubbles of information like my i guarantee if i search for something uh and and mike early searches for something on the exact same google search page we will get completely different results and that is how information bubbling works right so you create your own echo chamber and that's by design and you actually have to work to not create it and people are inherently lazy people are also inherently dumb and don't understand how those things work one of the things that I used to like about being at the gym is that there was always Fox News on, so I would always see like Fox News, and I would get some I would get some information. And not all of it's wrong. They actually have some journalists on Fox News. It's just most of the hosts. Whenever you get into opinions, like you know, as we all just found out in the Dominion lawsuits, like all these hosts will just lie right to you against you know stuff that they don't even believe because that's just what they're doing today. Like that's not a place to get news from. But then you take somebody like. Like Rachel Maddow, for example, on MSNBC. She's super polarizing, but like every time she makes a mistake, she does an on air correction. She's a Rhodes Scholar, for Christ's sake. She's smarter than basically everybody on Fox. And she, you know, she does her own issues. People give her shit because she doesn't cover all the issues. That's not what she does. She covers the issues that she's interested in. So those are the issues that I'm going to go to her for, right? Like, I'm not going to go to her for, like, I don't know what's going on in sports. I guess. I mean, like, it's not really her thing. Like, and 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 you can do that. Like, right? You can go to people like that you can trust, and you can do that, and you can reach outside of your own comfort zone. But the the echo chamber builds automatically. And I will tell you, and I then I'll shut up and play some music. I will tell you that the number one reason they build so well, and people are so willing to go along with it, is because if you think about it. Most of the most of the people in the world, right? The average, the, we talk about this, the bell curves. The average person is a C student, right? And I'm not slamming them for being that. I'm just pointing out that that exists. That means that half of the people that you're ever going to speak to or interact with likely are like C student or less. Those people, if you think about it, on every test that they've ever taken are getting most of their questions wrong. That means they usually have the wrong answer to any problem, to any solution that they've asked to come up with. The moment those people started saying stuff that other people agreed with was very likely some of the first times that has ever happened in their life. These are the same people that like can't divide stuff. So just to dumb it down for you, if they've been saying forever the equivalent of 2 plus 2 equals 5, and the rest of the world is like, no, it's not, Johnny. You're just dumb, and I'm sorry your parents are brother and sister. Like, for them to, to reach out and say something out loud that 2 plus 2 equals 5, and then have a whole bunch of people agree with them, that's got to feel fantastic. And then to say it louder and louder still, and then see a political leader a president of the United States say, you know what, Johnny? Two plus two does equal five. And you're just like, I knew it. That's what's happening. And that shit feels great. And I know that because as somebody that's right more often than not, because I am an A student, 
Again, no conceit, just trying to put a, put a story together. As an A student, I'm going to be right most of the time. It does feel good. It feels good to understand how your world works. It feels good to understand concepts. As someone that doesn't understand everything, I know how frustrating it could be to not get stuff. I can't speak a foreign language to save my life. I am in awe of people that do it. People that speak foreign languages in front of me know that because I tell them that because I'm so super impressed. My daughter can draw beautifully. She constantly, Dad, if you just tried or practiced more, you could draw too. No, I can't. I have tried. I can do the Thanksgiving Day turkey because I can copy my hand. I can do stick figures like my sister can. And that's about it. And it frustrates me. I wish. I wish I could draw fluently in any language, if that makes any sense at all. But I can't. So I understand how frustrating it is to constantly get 2 plus 2 wrong. So when somebody comes along and says, man, you're so right about that 2 plus 2 thing, you're like, that is so awesome to hear. I've been waiting my entire life to hear it. I will follow you literally, literally anywhere. And that's why you get toothless fucks with beards and Trump flags saying on national TV that if Trump murdered somebody on the steps of the White House, they'd still vote for him for president. Now, I'm not saying that's everybody, but that's definitely some of them. And I don't know what half of that bell curve you think they're on, but they weren't in honors classes with me. I'll tell you that. It is so good to be back. I'm going to shut up now. Play some data, remember, because it's what I do best. Hard. Rock. Lunch. Box. Nice to get a little Deftones back in the mix. Um, yeah. Just muddling through my way here. Honestly, it's amazing. Like, two weeks away and I kind of forget how stuff works. Like, I'm just not holding it together anymore. It's okay. I got this. Hard. Rock. Lunch. Box. da 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 they really just don't write riffs like that anymore. We were talking a little bit about that at practice, just like we were actually talking about Leonard Skinner, and I was saying that they're a really good band, and they just happen to be Southern, which is why they had like all that twang stuff on them. And I was saying the same kind, same thing kind of happened with Pantera. Like Pantera was like a really heavy hard rock almost metal band but they were from texas so like they just it was like if they were from like chicago it would have been like a way different sound and that's sometimes kind of what you need like people like hey that doesn't sound like what we're doing but like i do like that that was like a lot of you saw that more recently probably like in grunge where people just heard the seattle scene but they weren't from seattle so they were doing it the way they were doing it like in their local places and there's always just like a little bit of a I don't know, like an accent, for lack of a better word. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I don't know why I brought that up. I don't even really care. So I'm going to shut up about that. Um, uh, I will say I've been hearing a lot about the We Didn't Start the Fire cover by Fall Out Boy, but I truly did not even hear the song until this morning when I grabbed it for the show. So I thought it might be worth discussing. I don't know if you want to hop on over to 99W... Uh, 99WNRR.com and let me know what you think. If you're already in the chat, you can let me know what you think of it. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. Um, you know, I mean, I'm kind of got mixed feelings about it, right? Like it's like the song itself was good, and it was like when Billy Joel did it, it was great. 
uh, because it was like all these things, but it was really just a, a newer ripoff or a more recent ripoff of uh, REM's It's the End of the World, which I thought was just brilliant when it was done. I'd never really heard anything like it before. And so it's an interesting, it's interesting in the way that an essay about the current situations in your world would be like a like a current events sort of essay so yeah you know it's kind of hard to throw all that shit together and make it rhyme right like that's a big deal but like i'm not as blown away by it as like like a people like oh this is so amazing like it's not amazing like at all like and since the honestly and i'm not slamming fallout boy and i'm not comparing anybody to fallout boy but if you decided to do that like i think Pretty much most of the musicians that we know personally could do it and do as good of a job because the the formula is there, right? Like the the layout is there. Like I, I don't I don't really know how to explain it. Like if if you if you left out two pieces of bread, peanut butter, and jelly, like most people could figure out how to make a peanut butter sandwich out of that. Like all you really got to figure out is like what do we want to talk about? Like what happened in the past 15, 20 years, right? Like you just kind of write them all down. And, like, you hear a lot where he stretches stuff out. Like, Billy Joel, like, Billy Joel is incredibly talented and a brilliant lyricist. Just as anybody that has ever listened to him, like, from a lyrical point of view, like, the way he works those words. Like, we talked about this, like, with, like, Eminem. Like, Eminem is a goddamn wordsmith. Like, the reason he's so good, it's not that he's just a white guy rapping. It's not that at all. There's plenty of them. He just uses words so brilliantly that you're just blown like you don't even like you don't even realize like how good he is like that's that's how good he is right because then you try and do it like he is so good it makes you feel like you can do it <laughs> that's what i'm trying to say Eminem is so good with words that it, it it seems so effortless that it feels like you could just do it and i'm here to tell you that's not true like what he has is an honest to god genuine god-given gift and Billy Joel is much the same way. Like, his stories over the years, like scenes from an Italian restaurant, his ability to tell you a story in song is just something that I have always aspired to. And I don't know that I'll ever get to that level, but I don't mind driving that particular highway because I think it's a worthwhile skill. And it's definitely something I notice that most other people don't have when they're writing songs. People just write songs to make them rhyme. They use cliche phrases. Like, you hear it all the time. Like, it just... So, anyway, I think it's great. I think it's awesome that they redid it. I think it's a cool idea. I thought it was a cool idea when Billy Joel did it. I thought it was an even better idea when R.E.M. did it. So, if you want to just put in your two cents, you know where to find me. Hard Rock Lunch Box. Yeah, a lot of good comments about the uh, Fall Out Boy version of... Uh, of uh, we didn't start the fire. You know, I kind of wonder, I wonder how that works. I wonder how that works for copyrights. I don't know. Does anyone know the answer to that? I mean, I could look it up, but honestly, I am a little busy, so I don't know that I have the time that I want to dedicate to it. <laughs> and I know that might sound stupid, but it's true. But I'm curious because I know like there's lyrics and then there's music and then there's production. Like that all does copyrights. Like I know when we released Dirty Deeds, like we did it exactly as they did it. And so they get production royalties, but we get mechanical royalties because we played it. Um, 
It's usually about 50-50. I honestly don't know what our deal with. I wasn't going to argue with ACDC over it, so I just, whatever. Um, it was supposed to be a much bigger, bigger thing. Oh, which reminds me, I do have a noodle story to tell you. So, okay. I guess now's a good time, Zenny. Everybody want to hear the noodle story? Or what I'm thinking is, and no, I'm not going to do two videos, uh, music videos for Aaliyah. Uh, I, I, I think, I think basically what I said in the beginning is like I barely got anything. I didn't even get the lyric video done for Side Out, and I had, I guess, three years to do that. And so I didn't, <laughs> I didn't do that. I think the chances of me doing one video for Aaliyah at this point are very, very low. In fact. I may just message Jake and be like, can you just do this for me? <laughs> and then send me a bell. Because um, I just, I don't know. Um, I'd like to do two videos. But the other one requires like actors and actresses. And I got to tell you, man. I wish I had unlimited money. Like that, that thing, like, you know, money can't buy happiness. That tweet and then the response. Like, I literally cannot think of a single problem. Or money won't solve all your problems. And the response is like, I, cannot, I literally cannot think of a single problem that money wouldn't solve. Literally, literally how I live my life. I like it sucks. I don't like it at all. But he, okay, so the noodle story. And this is why I think it's going to be a big deal. Just because I've known him, uh, I've known him long enough, and I feel like I know how things fester. And I don't really know what to do about it. So I'm not not sure that I'm going to do anything about it except wait till he gets drunk and it explodes, which, you know, which is why I think it's interesting to see if it's even going to happen. So the lyric video for Blue, you guys know the song, right? Blue, um, hang on one second. I, I can probably help you out here. Um, Blue, so, okay. So if you don't know the song, which I think if you're listening to this show is silly, but here's, this is, the, this is how Blue starts. So you see it's like super, super aggressive on the drums, right? That's, I'm not, I'm not shocking anybody, right? Like that's not like, it, it is the prominent instrument. Yeah, it's a heavy riff, but it's the prominent uh, instrument is the drums. You know what I mean? So if you walk away with anything, it's the drums. Um, so, like I said, I had sent Blue and Easy to this company that was making our lyric videos that had done such a great job with Keep You Near, and I, was, and I wanted Vanessa, who had done that one, to do these as well. In the time between me sending them in and, uh, you know, in, wait, in the, in the time between me sending them in and them getting done, Vanessa had left the company. So, well, that's fine. I mean, she's probably, honestly, it was just probably a gig thing anyway. Um, but so... They, you know, the people that did it did a good enough job. I'm not. I said uh, last time or whenever that I wasn't super thrilled with the videos because I wasn't. Like, but also like they're lyric videos, so they're not exactly going to capture everything. The thing that was really good about Keeping Near is it captured almost everything, and so many of the images in that were exactly how I was feeling when I wrote it, and how I feel when I hear it, and how I feel when I play it. So that for me, like that was like, oh my god, like can we capture that again? And it's unreasonable for me to think that I can just be like, hey man, here's a song, here's what it's about, uh, this is what the you know the idea I'm trying to get across, you know, good luck with it, and have it be exactly what I want. Like that just it's unreasonable for me to, to want that and expect that. But you know, in in it took them a year and a half to get me these videos, so I was just honestly happy to get them. And I wasn't going to keep going back and forth because at the time I didn't think I had another year and a half. Turns out I was wrong. Ah. Um, so anyway, 
if you watch the video for Blue, it basically features this drummer, not our drummer, not a drummer I know, in a really nice angle, actually. It's shot really good. Um, and, you know, it's just a part of the video because the drums are so prominent. Whoever decided to make, whoever decided to pick, whoever was making the decisions about the stock footage for this video obviously heard that and was like, this would be cool. I'm going to use this. And so they did. And that was the, that was like the end of the decision-making process. Now I could have seen that when I got it and be like, absolutely not. This is not going to work. Uh, because my drummer is going to get jealous that he's not the drummer in the video. But my brain doesn't work like that because I'm not a child and I because I don't care about stuff like that. I'm literally about trying to get stuff done, finished, and accomplished. Especially when, obviously, it's been so cast aside by the entire rest of the band that nobody even gives a shit that it's getting done. Nobody follows up on it that asks about how it's going. And they barely even knew it was out. <laughs> if, if I didn't tell them, they wouldn't have known it was out. So, like... And that's not, it sounds like it, but that's not a slam on the band. They just didn't. So they didn't want any input. They didn't have any input. If they think they're, they're, if they're waiting around for me to constantly get stuff done and be like, huh, what do you guys think? You know, can you guys fix this? Or, you know, I'm not going to do that. I don't have time to do that. And honestly, I don't care enough about these, these smaller projects to do that. So Noodle was very, like, noticeably bothered by this. Uh, and at first, like when he first saw it, and like he was noticeably immediately bothered by it and said some shit about it. And I was like, yeah, well, did you like do any like video recording? Did you send in like give me any clips? Because all of these places will use clips if I send them in. All of these places will do that. Like it's easier for them. Hey, use this footage. Did anybody do that? Did you do that? No. This is just what they picked. Like, did you really want to, like, go through this and spend months and dollars, like, trying to do that? Like, well, no. Like, of course not. Like, it's ridiculous. But it bothered him that he wasn't the drummer in the video. Like, somehow I, like, usurped him as the drummer. Dude, it's a lyric video. The other person on the other side of the country just picked that footage. Now, why do I think it's an interesting noodle story? Because it's come up now again. <laughs> So what's going to happen, in my opinion, within the next three months, is that there's going to be some sort of drunken sort of whatever at rehearsal or after show, and he is going to lay into me about how I didn't use him in the video for our lyric video that, honestly, nobody else is in, right? That's one. Two, nobody else gave a shit enough about to ask about, to take on for themselves, to you know do any of these, do anything at all about it. And it's going to be disastrous because I'm going to go tell him to fuck himself like I always do. And until they actually start lifting and carrying some of their own weight, they're going to have no standing to give me any shit. Because if you don't like something the way it gets done, just please, for the love of God, do it yourself. See how that feels. Try that out. So hopefully it doesn't come because it'll be a fight he won't win. And it'll be a fight I will hold a grudge for for. I will hold a grudge on for months, and all it's going to do is cause a bunch of negativity in a band that's, like, finally in a good place, kind of, after years of infighting. Like, I feel like it's in a good spot, and all that's going to do is just serve to trip stuff up. So, I guess, stay here. 
And uh, I'll keep you posted on that cliffhanger. In the meantime, here's some new stuff from Atreyu. I really like this song. I like it. I like it a lot. Hopefully you will, too. Hard Rock Lunch Box. So as I mentioned earlier, I was able to get out last night for a very short period of time. Nice little short window. And uh, see uh, Terriginous and uh, Muckrakers. They're set at Beery's last night. Really just kind of worked out. They had this slice of like 90 minutes to be able to pull that off. So I was grateful to be able to do that. I'm trying really hard to do that more. And finding the time is just getting harder and harder and harder. But turns out I was able to pull it off on a Wednesday <laughs> on a Wednesday night. It was weird. Like Beery's was like, you know, not empty, but like... I had my choice of seats at the bar if I wanted one, which is also funny because as I drink less and less, I just find myself just not drinking. So I, I had the ability to take a seat at the bar that I just didn't need. <laughs> so I basically just stood there smiling and being supportive, which was what I had to offer. And I'm actually proud of myself of being able to do that, as stupid as that sounds. It just happens to be true. But... Um, I have not seen the Muckrakers live in ages, and I don't know that I've actually ever seen Terriginous live. Now, what I like about that, everybody, I think everybody knows Greg. Um, Greg, is, he, first of all, he fronts Terriginous, but he also uh, he fills in for a lot of bands. He was playing bass for Born of Scars when Born of Scars played uh, with us at Beery's, the last show we did back in June, I'm going to say. Uh, He's also married to Victoria, who sings for Born of Scars. And I think most people that went to KJ's know Victoria from Karaoke Night. Uh, but that's So that's Greg. So his band is Terriginous. And the one thing you need to know about them, they are very uh, heavily prog rock. So like, um, I'm drawing a blank, like Protest the Hero level, maybe even some Dance Gavin Dance level. Uh, but they, it's prog rock, so if you don't like it, you're probably not going to like it. But what he does do is he does throw in, like, some catchy choruses and stuff, which I appreciate, which is the thing that, like, um, you know, um, why am I drawing a blank? Not, uh, protest, the, protest the Hero does, which I which I appreciate. Like, I, I like that. Like, give me, give me something, because otherwise I just feel, uh, and I, like, it just... It's, it's hard to grab onto the beat sometimes in a real progressive rock sort of band. But the one thing you need to know about them is that they are incredibly good musicians. Like, And like there was a video I took, and I actually sent it to my band. I was like, things we can't do. And it was just like this sort of syncopated, intricate, like just guitar run, like two guitars, bass drum. Like everything was like on point. And it's just like, we can't do that. We, I mean, could we if we really practiced? Maybe. But, you know, my drummer is kind of chill and doesn't, you know, isn't exactly right on the money all the time. And, you know, Kaz is Kaz. Like, he doesn't necessarily play with the band. He kind of plays over the band. So, like, it would basically just be me and Tony just, like, sinking in and, you know, maybe with a click track. So it's just, it's something that we couldn't do. So as somebody that is a fan and a student of that kind of stuff, realizing full wholeheartedly that I'm never going to do that, I love watching musicians that can do that because it's just very cool for me. So... I figured I would talk about that a little bit, and then why would I waste that perfectly good intro without throwing you a little bit of what uh, Terrigina sounds like. Uh, they're not playing anymore in New York for a little while. They're going to go on tour in the South, but they'll be back, I'm sure, by the end of the year. Uh, and maybe maybe I'll even reach out to Greg. Maybe we could put something together. Like It'd be, it'd be fun. I, just, I don't know how many people know them, so 
let's test those waters, shall we? This song is called The Quiet Earth. It was the single, the lead single off their new record. I like it. It's one of those songs that's super intricate and then has like a really cool chorus like that I think everybody can sing along with. So hop up in the chat. Let me know what you think. It's this quiet, uh, The Quiet Earth on the box. Hard Rock Lunch Box. Ah, the Struts doing their thing. It is July 20th, 2023, which means 15 years ago today, I released what would become the very last G. Davy record. A record called She Sells Smiles. It is always going to be very dear to my heart. It was the pinnacle of everything that I was trying to do in G. Davy. Achieved a very stated goal of getting to have a number one song on a CMJ college music journal reporting station we did all that and then absolutely nothing happened and honestly over the years i can definitely say it went over like dog shit compared to what would be the first rebel nine record so i guess i wasn't doing anything right by just trying to write for people to listen i guess like writing for people and radio and all other stuff is just not my forte as soon as i released the diaries it opened up an entire new world of people that kind of understood what I was trying to do and liked what I was trying to do, and I just really have not looked back. Well, maybe I have looked back a little bit, but only because that moment in time was really, really just super special. I really thought I was doing something great, and it would be years till I would actually do something that I could consider great, but not the time. I remember holding back the record. It was originally a four-song EP, and uh, I, I decided to hold back the record for one very specific reason. Uh, while I was recording it, um, I was asked to write not only the score for a movie called Trial by Self, but also the, the title track. Um, so I did. I wrote it very quickly, which only ever happens when I have something super important to say. Um, as anybody that knows me and has listened to the shows over the years knows, I've been struggling with mental illness and depression for pretty much most of my adult life, if not my entire life. I may not have been able to recognize it or know what it was called at the time, but as I look back now with this wealth of information that I've gleaned over the past decade, I do and am able to see those signs in, in how I was writing and what I was doing and what I was saying. And it's sad, honestly, to look back at my younger self and not be able to be like, put my arm around me and be like, hello, me, you're going to be okay. But it did produce some really good music. And the reason I held that record back was mainly because of this song right here. So, happy anniversary, G. Davey. She Sells Smiles and Trial by Self. Possibly one of my favorite guitar solos I ever wrote.
since we've had the band Vexgen play with us, or we played with them. Uh, Kate uh, Ortiz, used to be Kate Vexgen, used to be the singer and principal writer of the band, has left and done her own stuff under Kate Ortiz. She does a little bit more poppies, even got some country styles in it. Uh, and she puts out stuff from time to time that I find just really, really just as good as anything I ever heard uh, her do in Vexgen. So it's always nice when she does that again. She's got a new song out. Uh, the title really grabbed me, and I was like, I'm going to like this song no matter what happens next. <laughs> the title of this song is a really fun song about wanting to die, and what's not to like about that? But it also happens to be a really good song. It's Kid Ortiz in the box.
Sorry if you were in the mood for something different, but I am just totally digging this song. Hard Rock Lunch Box. Yeah, man, a little anxiety. Oh, excuse me. A-N-X-I-E-T-Y from the virtue right there. Uh, one of the things from uh, the Bacon is My Podcast discussions and drinks was something I wanted to get to and didn't in the top 20, so now it seems like a good enough time because it was Jimmy that said it, and it is time for your weekly craving of the week. But he was talking about how much effort it takes for him as a songwriter to not finish a song and to kind of come into the band with, like, parts of the song unfinished. And it is it is so true. Like, you have to kind of do that by design. Like, sometimes, yeah, you could get stuck and be like, well, we need something here. And, like, you know, bring it to the band. Um, but, you know, when we wrote Scars, um, I very de- definitely was like, cool. I had a riff, or Kez had a riff that gave me an idea for the main riff of the song. And so I had this whole thing. And I was like, this is the first song we wrote after recording Do No Harm. So I was like, maybe we go in and we work this together. And to date, it's the only song that all four of us sat down and wrote together. It took a lot of effort and a lot of like, well, okay, like a lot of compromising and stuff, which is fine. I don't mind compromising with the band until it starts compromising the the goodness and the quality of the song. In this particular case, I don't think that happened. If we go uh, to record it in the next batch of songs, we'll see what Dave has to say about it. I know that he did not pick it for the first batch of songs, so it probably wasn't a standout favorite of his, but that's not the point. But um, what also Jimmy had said that when he does show up with stuff that's finished, sometimes he feels like maybe he'd like he'd like to believe that he's more open to ideas like from the band, and he's not necessarily sure if he is because he could just be a wall. And I messaged him and I was like, "Yeah, man, when you finish something, like you finished it, like you're not really. It's not that you're not open to ideas, but what it takes is it takes a real game changer of an idea." to just sort of overrule what you've already put together. And I think my band understands that at this point. Like, if you're going to come to me and be like, nah, it could be better. Well, what is it that could be better? Otherwise, I just did it. And that's that's what it's going to be like. You know, it's, it's a hard thing, and we should definitely discuss it more. But I'm running out of time here because I'm me, and that's the way, the way I roll. So it's time for your weekly craving of the week. Hope you're careful of them goddamn landmines, because that would be really convenient right now, I think. Mainly because it's the title of the song. And also, I'm very good at segues. You haven't realized that. But if you're good at it, you probably don't have to tell people. It doesn't matter. Here's the song. Buried by a landslide. Of everything a landslide Burning up my hindsight I divide the weight Choking on the next line Careful on the landmines Turning up the inside Trying to light the Trying to light the way It's not life I'm not living a life I'm just living it like this Looking at a gray sky Thinking about my lifetime Here 
Lunchbox. I know everyone's excited. I will tell you, Melissa decided to send in something. I uh, actually sent in two somethings and then had me decide, and I just I had to go with what I had to go with. So we're going to close the show with some very, very interesting music about a manatee. I think it's important for everybody to understand what and what can happen in these situations, but probably not. And if it is, then we'll just talk about it next week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. See you next Thursday. Hard Rock Lunch Box.